This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In Afghanistan, we've taken 20 years to lose to goat herds with fertilizer. And they're not even waiting until we leave to loot Bagram Air Base for basketballs and boomboxes. And the world's most lavishly funded and entirely useless general staff thinks we need more diversity seminars. So that's Mark Stein uh, filling in last night on Fox. He's really good and a good writer, but he is making his argument was we spend too much time in our military Worried about uh, political correctness now. You remember the thing? What was the thing last week that uh, General Milley was on? Oh, critical race theory. Um, right. But, and whether uh, recommending reading that was a good idea or not. See, I'm I'm leaning toward getting out of Afghanistan and have been for about 15 years. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what our next guest has to say. We always go to Mike Lyons, but we want to know this stuff. But this is from The Onion. Somebody sent this. This is from The Onion in 2011. Ten years ago. This is on the ten-year anniversary of being in Afghanistan. The Onion headline was, and remember, The Onion is a joke newspaper. Parody, parody, parody. The the Onion headline was, U.S. quietly slips out of Afghanistan in dead of night. And there are some reports that that's what we did just a couple (laughs) nights ago, leaving the Air Force Base and not telling anybody, and just, we're out. Well, let's talk to military analyst Mike Lyons, who's served with various military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career. Uh, he is a, a student of history, military history in particular, and we always enjoy his perspective. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. So great to be back with you. We have no problem with being corrected on any of our beliefs, assumptions, or things we know about what's going on anywhere in the world. What What is currently happening in Afghanistan? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? 
Well, first of all, I do agree we should have been out maybe five years ago. I think Donald Trump should have made it a priority of his administration when he first got elected and just uh, basically gave everybody the Heisman and said, this is what we're doing. Um, the military-industrial complex, though, wasn't finished testing equipment, wasn't finished. You know, the Army still didn't have a mission, couldn't figure out you know, how they were going to make that happen. Um, I think it's. I do think it's the right thing. It's going to be back to the future, though. We're going to go back to 1999 and 2001 very quickly. The Civil War will start. Uh, the Taliban now controls something like 80% of the land districts in in the country already, without wow. even just giving up the airbase. Yeah, and so, and the, you know, the you, the military's gone. The contractors are still being gone. You're going to see. Unfortunately, we can't vet any of these interpreters. That 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 plan is going to go out the window. So there's going to be a lot of people that trusted us. Uh, that are going to end up losing their lives when the Taliban takes over here. But again, it probably should have happened years ago, to your point. Wow. Hey, can we uh, take a look at that specific subject, the vetting of the interpreters? You don't think it's going yeah. to actually happen, and you don't think their, their necks are going to be saved? No, I, you know we're gonna we talk a good game about it. It's all words. I, I just it's just not going to happen. It just it just can't logistically happen. The amount of people that that's involved with, and people are going to slip through the cracks. So there's going to be reports of that in the future. The question is whether or not the Taliban is going to go after those folks. And, 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 and you know, I think, you know, U.S. Embassy might be safe. I don't think you're going to see a complete Saigon situation where we're going to, you know, escape from helicopter roofs there and whether or not they want to go after them. But it's going to happen. And the, the, the number we're talking about is just too big of a logistical challenge. There's more people in that group than there are soldiers that are there to try to get out of there in the next two months. So and their families. So it's just not going to happen. And it's an unfortunate thing that uh, we should have planned for a long time ago. God, I would say so. So, 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 how do we go into another country and get people to help us if we uh, if we leave these interpreters behind to be killed, maybe along with their families? Yeah, I think we're out of countries that we're going to go into and have that situation. I, we haven't learned from this one again. I, I just don't know what else to say here. Um, we saw, you know, this is Vietnam in some ways over and over, except we didn't have 150 body bags coming back every week. Um, we just don't seem to learn our mistakes here from these kinds of interactions. I, I really don't see us doing it, I think, in the next uh, few years, regardless of, of administration. Now the question is how, you know, what does China do? Is, is China become more bellicose in the South China Sea? We saw the comments by uh, their leader the other day. I mean, they're talking about, you know, smashing heads and things like that. So, I, you know, the military is going to have to kind of regroup here and kind of figure out what's the Army's mission going forward. First of all, we know the Navy's going to project power. I just think the days, as Dick Cheney, I think, said about 15 years ago, the days of us occupying countries with the intent of trying to deliver democracy and, and, and that capitalism are just over. Well, good. Uh, before we move on to China and geopolitics in general, one more thought on Afghanistan. I was a little surprised that, you know, at some point Biden or, or Trump or somebody did, didn't say, look, it's not a war anymore. It's a strategically important part of the globe, so we're going to have a big old base there, so we're ready to move when we need to. Why not a statement that straightforward, or do you think the geopolitical need isn't that strong? I think two reasons. First of all, our messaging has been awful when it's come to Afghanistan, and, and you know we were out September 11th. Looks like we're going to be out here in two weeks for all practical purposes. The the commander there, Scotty Miller, is uh, someone that, that knew the mission from the beginning, didn't realize, knew it didn't have a timetable. So I think that was the first thing. But I think the second reason is because we've just built this over the horizon standoff military now, where we don't feel that we need logistical bases in places like this. I think we're going to be proven wrong. I think that that would have been a great idea to keep this air base and keep these kind of lily pads that exist either in the ocean or in, in certain land masses because we'd have no friends now in that part of the world. 
Uh, we don't have enemy in Pakistan. We're not doing anything, obviously, in India and, and the like. And Diego Garcia is a long, long ways away, and we store B-52s there. I, I think, I think again, you know, we, we, we've built this over the horizon military with drones, and we're taking the human element out of it, and I think that's how we say we're going to defend. I think it's going to prove to be foolhardy when it comes to strategic things that are going to take place in the future, and we're going to need to put people on the ground. Boy, that's troubling. But in general, uh, is this pivot that Barack Obama talked about and kind of started and then Trump kind of continued, it's amazing how slow it is. is the, so you think this is the right thing to do? We just Let's stop talking about these sand countries. We produce our own oil now, and let's right. look at the real threat to the future, like the next hundred years, China. So that just that general pivot of our attention you think is a good idea? It is. It's overdue. And I think, um, you know, the, given this century, the question is, is this another American century or does it become the century of the Chinese and those, some of those countries and, and, and how what's Russia's role in that? Um, I, what's you look at, the, again, the South China Sea, our Navy is going to continue to project power. For some reason, we're now screwing around the Black Sea with Russia trying to, you know, bring up Ukraine, too. That's another issue that's come up on this week and here. But but really, the focus, I think everybody I talked to in the Pentagon, I talked to a good friend of mine the other day. He's actually back at the Armed Services Committee, the Senate Armed Services Committee, back in the desk, and he's back at the China desk. And I'm just glad he's there because he's a smart guy, and, and he, he says that's exactly where our focus has got to be, at least for the next four years. Build up enough military presence there that projects enough power that the Chinese don't want to do anything that will upset the trade balance and upset what will be you know, the world economy, and that's what's at risk right now. Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, I realize you could probably write a 700-page book uh, about this question, the answer to the question, but uh, compare and contrast China and the U.S. in terms of military hardware and also in terms of training this actual battle experience, uh, you know, uh, adaptability. Uh, How do the two forces compare? Well, so the last two wars, the U.S., came prepared, I, I thought, uh, both Desert Storm and then in, and in Afghanistan and the run-up in, in, in Iraq. And, and what I mean by that is we did have what was called the Task Force Smith, and that took place in Korea during the Korean War when the military was just unprepared after the Second World War. So the, the, the military has learned its lesson about preparedness and, and being ready to go right away out of the gate. What's The question is, how much hardware now do we have comparative to the Chinese? The Chinese still don't really have this great navy they have one aircraft carrier there they've got they project power in some ways but they have a much larger land force they have much more mass let's say and much more equipment and i, and I just don't see us facing off in that realm anyway um, but I do think the days of the U.S. military being not prepared are over, and, and in some ways um, that's always going to be a good thing. And if, as long as we fight ferociously and fight the way uh, that we're trained to do, I, I think we'll be okay once, should something arise, either on, in Eastern Europe, let's say, with the Russians, or either somewhere in China, in the South China Sea. Interesting stuff, Mike. Uh, always uh, come away from these conversations wishing we could talk all day, but uh, uh, maybe we'll invite you on uh, for a podcast for a more extended conversation soon. Love to, guys. Whatever it takes. I think there's a lot going on in the world right now, for sure. Don't I'd say. Talking about. Amen to that. Mike Lyons, thanks so much for the time. Really interesting. America's so-called longest war is going to be just a blip in the history books, if ever talked about it all. 20 years there, all that money. Luckily, not too many lives, but, you know, if it's a loved one of yours, it's a, of course. a very huge deal. But, um, yeah. and, and, you know, outside of the first couple of years where we broke up the guys that attacked New York, 
What, what, what? It's just amazing the momentum of these projects. And Mike, what he said there at the very beginning, the military industrial complex wanted to test some more equipment. Right, right. You know, the really distressing part of it to me is, is what we've brought up a couple of times through the years. The messaging to the American people has to be so oversimplified to the point of being stupid that our leaders either can't or feel like they can't level with us and say, look, you know, it stopped being a war a long time ago. Now we're just trying to pop prop up this government till they're strong enough to stand on their own. It's not looking great. We're going to stick with it for another six months. If it doesn't work, we're out. We're going to keep a base there because the region's super important. Pakistan is a bunch of maniacs with nuclear arms, and they're right next door. And if we need to jump from there, it's a good place to jump from. That That's not that complicated. But no, it's our longest war. You know, come on. I don't, uh, you know, plenty of you are that stupid. Uh, not you, not not our audience, the American people. But uh, you're not. You folks, you're obviously brilliant. But the, come on, it's, it's, do we have to dumb down our messaging that much? I have been saying this for years with Democrats and Republicans. I don't think you're going to take the political hit you're worried about. If you get out of Afghanistan, if you no. say what Joe just said, I don't think your poll numbers are going to crash. I don't think anybody's going to run against you on that. Nobody's well, even I, paying I, any attention. They're going to say, okay, that's interesting. What about you know homeless or schools or whatever issue they care about? Nobody's talking about Afghanistan. Yeah, you're probably right in this case. I was going to say somebody will run against you and say, look at him, he's cutting and running. Uh, but even who, that is so tired yeah, at this who, point. Who, you're right. No, I agree with you. Who right, left, or center would react to that? Cutting and running from Afghanistan. And if there wasn't, weren't so much blood and treasure involved, it'd just be hilarious. Just the stupidity, again, of the, the messaging. But we, it's not funny, not ought, at all. We ought to do a podcast with Laura Logan, because, you know, she, she went to Afghanistan all those years. And have her on to talk about the high point, when they had the most miles of roads paved and the most schools open and all that stuff, the high point versus where it is now and versus where it's going to be in a year from now. Right, All that right. just completely wasted. Schools, Back when you could drive from the airport to Kabul and walk the streets and yeah. greet the locals. That was a brief period of time that we paid a lot of money for. We, U.S. taxpayers, paid a lot of money for. And just, it's over. It's gone. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.